minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos. It's June 8th, the 25th of Sivan. Good morning, everyone. Erev Shabbos, Parsha Shlach. Rabbi Fass is scheduled to join us uh, coming up in the 7 o'clock hour. The uh, founder and uh, director of Nefesh Ben Nefesh. 
Parsha Shlach is uh, one of those weeks each and every year that we try to uh, emphasize in as cordial a manner as possible, if that's possible, a, uh, uh, um, how important uh, Eretz Yisrael, and uh, in our case, Medinat Yisrael is. Um, very fast is scheduled to join us coming up here about 7.15 this morning on the Zerv Shabbos Parsha Shlach. Candle lighting at 8.05. Here in New York, we'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Tammuz Wednesday and Thursday. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz Wednesday and Thursday. All righty, keep that in mind. Uh, 60 degrees, 89% humidity, winds west at 4, partly cloudy, high 82. Uh, clouds tonight, low 66, more tomorrow with a high of 80. We're at 85 in Yerushalayim, 60 here in New York City. Chaim David Burson with Simchas Olam, you heard Never Give Up, done by Miami. Yehuda Green had Shmakolenu and Mashiach off the brand new album Neshamala. And of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday, everybody. You know what that means? It means the weekly update. Just about an hour away here at JM in the AM, we get the opportunity to speak to Malcolm Holmline and to analyze the events and the news items of the week. Oh, we had the Simcha Liner in there. How did that not make it in? We had Simcha Liner in the. Uh, yeah, with the Heshiv. Hmm. I don't know how that didn't make it into our playlist, frankly. Um, so the uh, the weekly update with Malcolm Homeline is going to be coming up here at JM in the AM. That's about 7.40 Eastern Time. Rabbi Yudin, of course, at 8.15. As we mentioned, Roy Fass is scheduled to join us. So we're going to really wrap up this week with a Tremendous bang with a big analysis of the current events and a uh, close look at what's happening in this amazing world of ours. Plus a big Friday schedule, as you know, Fridays are big days here at the Nahum Siegel Network. And uh, the big Friday schedule is going to uh, continue after 9 a.m. And then tomorrow night and then Matis with JM Sunday and uh, just goes on and on and on. Thank goodness. On and on. And on never a reason, nary a reason, to ever turn away from us here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Simple as that. Uh, JMAM, as we continue, this one comes from uh, Eitan Katz.
فيها
J.M. in the A.M. with Miami. Song is called Osam. Before that, you heard Dor Dor. Lipa had no Delashimcha. Yibane done by Shalshelas. Mordechai Shapiro's Lee. Bishamru from Natanel Hershtik. He's at the Royal Opera House for this amazing run in London, England these days. Eitan Katz at Yisrael Nosha. And uh, here we are on a Friday at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world. The web and Nachmuzigal.com and the Nachmuzigal. And of course, on the beloved NSN app. That's right, the beloved NSN app. Golly, it's in the background. There are news from Israel coming up and plenty more. Malcolm Online will have the uh, weekly update with us coming up here at JM in the AM about 7.40 this morning. If you haven't yet supported our spring fundraiser, especially if you love our Friday morning programs, hey, you got to give. Give generously, fjbunity.org, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. That's us, fjbunity.org. 
Golly, it's Al Israel Army Radio. 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. We say Boker Tov from Jamnam. ליצאל השעה שתיים כאן עומרי לנדה עם מה שקורה עכשיו. חייל צהל נפגע קלות משאיפת עשן בדלקה שפרצה כתוצאה מנפילת עפיפון נושא חומר תבירה. בתוך כך ממשיכים פלסטינים רבים להגיע לגדר הגבול עם רצועת עזה לקראת הפגנות יום שישי האחרון של רמדאן. מנהיד את השידור של גלי צהל עם הכוחות סמוך לגבול, מדווח כתבנו לענייני צבא צחי דבוש. מאות פלסטינים כבר מתגודדים במספר מוקדים לאורך גבול עזה. לפי הערכות מערכת הביטחון, עוד אלפים זורמים בשעה זו לעבר הגדר כדי להשתתף בהפרות הסדר. באוגדת הזן נערכים עם כוחות גדולים כדי להתמודד עם הניסיונות לחצות את הגבול. במקביל, חייל צה"ל נפגע באורח קל משאיפת עשן, זאת לאחר דלקה שפרצה בעוטף עזה בעקבות עפיפון תבערה. לוחמי אש פועלים עתה לכבות שרפות שהתלקחו במספר מוקדים סמוך לגבול רצועת עזה כתוצאה מנפילת עפיפונים מהנושאים חומרים בוערים סמוך לקיבוצים כיסופים ובארי. באוסטריה ייסגרו שבעה מסגדים ויגורשו עשרות אימאמים כצעד של הממשלה לצמצום התפשטות האסלאם במדינה. כתבת חדשות החוץ יערה אגם איחורי. ממשלת אוסטריה תסגור שבעה מסגדים ותסלק עד שישים אימאמים שמממנת טורקיה, והבטיחה כי מדובר רק בתחילת המהלך נגד האידיאולוגיה האסלאמית והמימון הזר של קבוצות דתיות. קנצלר גרמניה סבסטיאן קורץ, ראש מפלגת המרכז ימין השולטת, אמר, אין מקום לאסלאם פוליטי ולקיצוניות במדינתנו. יושב ראש הפרלמנט של איראן אמר היום כי ביטחון המזרח התיכון ימשיך להיות תחת איום אם יגבר הלחץ על טהרן מידי אויבותיה העיקריות ישראל וסעודיה. הדובר עלילה ריג'אני נאם מול עשרות אלפי מפגינים שהשתתפו בפעולות מחאה נגד ישראל ברחבי איראן לציון יום השונה לסולידריות עם הפלסטינים. המפגינים השמיעו קריאות מוות לישראל והאשימו את ירושלים וריאד בשיתוף פעולה הגורם לכאוס באזור. עשרות אלפי משתתפים כעת במצעד הגאווה ה-20 בתל אביב. חוגגים פה ויש פה מלא מלא אנשים, מלא תיירים, ומגניב פה לגמרי, שיהיה חג שמח לכולנו. טירוף, מלא מלא אנשים, מלא מלא קבוצות, באות ותומכות, ויש כאן קרנבל, ואנשים מכל הסוגים ומכל המינים, וחבל על הזמן. צירים רבים בעיר חסומים עתה לתנועה, בהם הרחובות בוגרשוב, המלך ג'ורג', מר מורק, בן יהודה, אלנבי, הירקון וטיילת הרברט סמואל. נתיבי איילון פתוחים לתנועת כלי רכב. כתבתנו פיי גוטמן מוסרת כי המצעד מגיע בשעה זו לסופו בגן צ'ארלס קלור, שבו התקיימו שורת הופעות לסיום האירוע. מזג האוויר חם מהרגיל לעונה, אלה החדשות שעורכים תמר פלד ורמי שני, בצוות איטיאל דינר ואילי קונפלד. בחסות
לך להתייאש, רק תמשיך לבקש, תשמור, תשמור את התקווה. תן חיוך בן אדם, יש ניסים כל הזמן, לא לבכות הכל לטובה. אסור לך להתייאש, רק תמשיך לבקש, תשמור, תשמור את התקווה. אני... Desert sun You've been told You'd be on the run Down to Egypt To Pharaoh's town To Rome and Spain And many other lands But you open your door To tired men To lonely passers-by And your care We're known far and wide Father of a nation Your soul is alive Abram Are we the children That you dreamed of Are we that shining star You saw at night You know it's true We still call you a Venus Our Father, our bride, we got your soul inside Take us home, take us home 
every test Now look a small show In the Midwest A child was born Just the other day And all those gathered there Heard his mother say All oh, it's been three thousand years Jam in the AM with Eighth Day with Avraham. Yaakov Shweki before that with Ma'amin. You heard Benny Freeman open up the hour and bum bum here at Jam in the AM. Well, you know when you hear this song about making Aliyah today, it can mean one and only one thing here at JM in the AM. Rabbi Fass is with us live via telephone. A little bit of behind the scenes. Rabbi Fass uh, has the most insane schedule this week and specifically today and is not even able to fit us in. And uh, I called him and uh, simply said to him that I need some personal chizuk on this Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach. 
even if he can't join us. And he was able, thank goodness, to find a couple of minutes to join us this morning at JMDM. Rabbi Yehoshua Josh Fass, co-founder and the uh, director, the head, the president, uh, the man in charge of Nefesh Benefesh. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you so much. Good morning to you and to all your listeners. Hope you enjoyed New York. Hope you enjoyed the parade. Hope you got back to Israel uh, with uh, with no problem. And I hope you were somewhat inspired by some people on this side of the world who still want to celebrate Israel. I was very inspired. Uh, this year, I think the crowd was larger than the past bunch of years. And just to see some of the schools come out in force was extremely emotional for me. I met a couple of the, president, uh, the principals at the end of the, of the parade line, and I asked a couple of them how many. It was like all of them, a few hundred, a thousand kids. It was just remarkable that uh, every kid would come out and show their solidarity and show their love and show a passionate connection. And it shows that there is a future <laughs> to, our, to our love and to our longing for our homeland, and it was definitely heartwarming. Yeah, you and your organization have proven that there's a future, and you and your organization have proven that the future in the Jewish people is in the state of Israel. Rabbi Fass is with us. I'll, I'll do my quick message, and then I'll ask you for your quick message on this Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach. We know that the, well, those of you who are not familiar, Parsha Shlach, of course, the episode of the spies, I emphasize that 16% of the spies went ahead and made God happy with the way they spoke about Israel, uh, while over uh, 80% of them, the greatest leaders of that generation, remember, while over 80% of them uh, went ahead and disappointed God. And uh, sometimes the majority of leadership does that. I am uh, confident, Rabbi Fass, I am confident that 16% of leadership on this side of the world, rabbis, principals that you mentioned, etc., are likely on the same path as Kalev, and Yehoshua, at least 16%, which is all a very good sign. Hey, if we could be at or higher than the percent of what was going on in the Bible, I think that's a big victory. Uh, but, of course, the majority of them a disappointment, something to always keep in mind. And now I turn to you as we're about to read this Parsha Shlach. What are your thoughts on this Friday era of Shabbos? I, I agree with you. I think definitely we have more than uh, 16 or 17 or 20, 25 percent of our leadership that uh, understands um, where our nation belongs and the fate and the faith of the Jewish people is in our homeland in Israel. And I think they're, they're trying to cut through all the negativity and sometimes God forbid toxicity to share that inspiration and share that longing and passion to their congregants or followers or students. So there's tremendous hope and there's tremendous movement and we see it. We also see an incredible new wave of connectivity of our young adults. Uh, a lot of students after they graduate from college are interested in making Aliyah. And the remarkable thing is, is that it's coming from communities that are not in the Orthodox world. And that fascinates me. Um, kids who were on campus who were fighting anti-Israel sentiments and BDS, mm -hmm. and, they, and now they graduate and they, they, they want an outlet for all of that all of that advocacy and all of that connection, and they look to Israel to continue that path of connection, and I find that fascinating, because their lives in Israel take on a completely different trajectory than what it would be in the United States. 
No uh, question. There's there's always a pasuk, uh, the critical pasuk, the critical verse in, in Parsha Shlach is when Kalev and Yehoshua come back and, and Kalev makes all these statements. And I just saw two different interesting nuances within the pasuk that I that I never saw before that are like, uh, that let's discuss for a second. One of them is just the language. It says, Vayas Kalev et Am El Moshe. That Kalev quieted the nation, El Moshe, in front of Moshe. Vayomer, you know, and the famous pasuk, the continuation of Alona Alevi Rashno Takiachonuchala, we can surely ascend, we can surely conquer the land, we can do it. It's positive reinforcement. But the two, two nuances that, that I think are, are so insightful is, number one, why does it say, El Moshe? Why does he silence the people in front of, in front of or towards Moshe? And Rasadigon says something really beautiful, that, that Kalev was just incredulous that this was happening, mm. that the Jewish people had this opportunity of, of a millennial, millennium, and, and, and this opportunity of a fulfillment of prophecy. And he quiets them down because he's waiting for Moshe to respond. He's waiting for, for, for Moshe to, to at least echo the sentiments of Yoshua and Kalev, and, and coming back as a singular voice, and coming back where there's a vacuum of support, and he's just looking desperately for some kind of echoing or some kind of redundant statement, some kind of support, for his position, and uh, I can definitely relate a little bit <laughs> to that nuance of that, of just desperately looking for that other voice of saying, come on, guys, let's, let's get on the plane, let's, let's make it work. And the next nuance that I just saw this morning when reviewing the Parsha is the Kliyakar, you know, the oh, yeah. you know, and the Kliyakar points out a, a beautiful Inside, he says, "Why does it double double the language of alona of ascend and ascend?" And he says something very very simple, but it's so profound. He says, "Alo The only way you can actually ascend and have a successful aliyah is actually if you try it. <laughs> Sometimes we 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 allow our fears and we allow the negative outcomes or the risk to, to somehow to, to, to block and to hinder or to create these obstacles for us even trying. And, and, and the only way that you can allow is actually if you try, not alert. Just try it. It might not work, but try it. That's the, you, you can't have a successful aliyah if you don't even try it. And it always, it always boggles the mind that today a successful Aliyah rate is over 90%. Mm. We've helped over, I've seen 57,000 Olim make Aliyah since, since the founding of Nefesh. And we know that over 90% of them stay. We're in touch with them. We have, we're in connection with, with the government of Israel. We know who flies back. We know who stays. And if you look at, you know, marital rates in America and divorce rates, we, no one says, you know what, I'm not going to try to get married because, you know, the risk is a small chance that it might not work out. Who does that? Who does that? If you're passionate about fulfilling your own personal dream, you try it. You try it. And, and the Kliyakar's insight is so profound. You, won't have a, you don't have a chance of anything successful if you don't just simply try it. And worst comes to worst, it doesn't work out. 
I think the greatest gift that my parents gave myself and my siblings is that we tried Aliyah. And you know what? It failed. We were were in Israel when I was in fifth grade for 13, 14 months, and it failed. And we all went back. And it it wasn't a happy year for us. (laughs) It, It was a confluence of a lot of different obstacles, and we weren't pleased by that Aliyah attempt. But fast forward to today, my parents are back in Israel. My, my siblings all live in Israel, and, and all the grandchildren and great-grandchildren live in Israel. So we tried. It didn't work out. The timing wasn't good. We went back to America, and years later, we all tried again, and we're all succeeding at it. So you, cannot, you can't have a successful attempt at anything if you don't attempt it. So, and I think the Kliyakar's word about Lona Aleh is not just for Israel-bound individuals, it's for anything that's important in our lives. Sometimes the, the power of inertia is so strong, the f- power of fear is so debilitating that we, we, we hunker down in our seats and don't move. And if something is important to us, even if there is a risk of failure, we have to try. Just try. I asked you for chizuk. You have uh, strengthened me personally, and I know you've strengthened the people who are tuned in right now. Unbelievable. Rabbi Yoshua Fass on this Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach, which is our tradition. Next month, we'll have an opportunity to talk more about Aliyah because uh, that's when the first uh, 2018 charter flight will take place. And Rabbi Fass, you remind me of my friend Rabbi Grumberg, who would always say to me years ago, Always have a plan. Even if you're not heading there yet, always have the current plan that if things work out, this is what we're going to do. And if it doesn't work out, you rework the plan. And that's uh, very sure. similar to the words you're saying with Alonale. Kalakavod to you. Thank you so much for taking the time and for inspiring us. And we will be in touch. And let us all on this part. Anytime part- for you, my dear friend. I appreciate that. And let us all on this Shabbat Parsha Shlach remember the good of Eretz Yisrael. Tadaraba. Shabbat Shalom. There he is. Rabbi Yoshua Fass. Amazing. Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos with candle lighting at 8.05. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz will be Wednesday and Thursday. Keep that in mind. More coming up. This is a Friday morning Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. The weekly update is around the corner and plenty more. Call the neighbors as they say. Email uh, all your relatives and friends to get them to tune in now for an important Friday morning broadcast at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. 
comes from Micha Gammerman here at JM in the AM. Called Bowie Kala. Friday morning broadcast on this era of Shabbos Parsha Shlach. My thanks are by fast. Candle lighting at 8.05 in New York. Uh, we'll bench Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh Tammuz Wednesday and Thursday. I want to thank all of our great parade sponsors. Aleh presented our Celebrate Israel Parade coverage on Sunday. Go to aleh.org for information, A-L-E-H.org. And we recommend to everybody out there, if you're in Israel this summer, get over to one of the Aleph facilities and see one of the most amazing and incredible places in Israel. A big thank you to Carmel Wineries, the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem, the Rothenberg Law Firm at InjuryLawyer.com, and um, Uden's Appliances. Thanks to all of them. And, of course, Kosher in Midtown, kosherinmidtown.com, the, the 43 uh, East 34th Street in New York City for feeding everybody during the uh, parade broadcast. Much appreciated. Weekly update with Malcolm Holmline around the corner. Plenty of great programming all through the day. Uh, right after Jam the M, Naomi Nachman is going to be on. The Erev Shabbos show presented by Kedem. That's going to be done by Mark Zamek. Uh, Erev Shabbos music mix is on all day long. Presented by our friends at Kedem. we got a lot going on. You've chosen a great day to tune into us here at Jam the M. I mean a really, really great day to tune into us. A Friday morning with plenty happening between now and 9 a.m. right here at the Nachum Siegel Network.
אני חי ועובד כמו כולם, רואה עתיד וחושב תמיד El Ha'or, the name of that selection. David Gabe had Kihem. You heard Good Shabbos done by the, the Didim Choir on Shire Pinchas, volume number three. Micha Gammerman with Bowie Kala before that one. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, Parsha Shlach, a Parsha that, again, I remind you, as I said to Rabbi Fast, 16% of Jewish leadership in that great generation uh, uh, did and acted the way God wanted them to. 16%. 84% did not. Whew. Isn't that something to keep in mind as we go into uh, Parsha Shlach on this Erev Shabbos? Candle lighting at 8.05 in New York. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. Rosh Chodesh is Wednesday and Thursday. Reminder, those of you who are listening right now who have not yet contributed to our spring fundraiser, you, our listeners, are one very, very key revenue stream for us to keep on going, to provide you this every single day and every single week. Go to fjbunity.org if you haven't yet uh, tossed in a few dollars to our spring fundraiser. Again, FJB, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And I thank you, and I especially thank those who have been very, very generous. We've gotten some amazing contributions over the last couple of days, and I thank everybody no matter how a large or small the donation is, it is much appreciated, to say the least. I want to thank our friends at OnlySimplus.com. Check out OnlySimplus.com. Some amazing 
news stories beyond the amazing news stories about Smachot in the Jewish world. Only Simchas.com. Check their news feed every single day. And, of course, JewishWorldReview.com. JewishWorldReview.com gives you an opportunity to print out, oh, I don't know, a 1,000 articles before Shabbos. Am I exaggerating? Is it only 500? Uh, check out JewishWorldReview.com for articles and comment and opinion about so many different things on Israel and the Jewish world. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations. Joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning broadcast. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you very much. It's good to be with you again. Appreciate that. I got the feeling that there was as large a crowd on Sunday on Fifth Avenue as there was uh, during year 60. Um, the weather obviously helped. You had a bad spell of weather over the last few parades. The weather holding up obviously helped. Uh, but I think in general, when the big numbers out there, like 70 this year, plus the enthusiasm about the movement of the embassy, etc., which, you know, all those celebrations took place in April and May, I think it carried over. And the New Yorkers, New Jerseyans, and people from Florida, California, and Philadelphia especially, I don't know if you know, your hometown really came through at the parade on Sunday. Uh, they were all there on Fifth Avenue, so I thought we did pretty well on Sunday. Yeah, I saw the people over Mary in the schools, the others that came from, from Philadelphia, as yeah. you indicated. I also had the sense that it was um, a much bigger crowd, both on the side and marching, and very enthusiastic so that was very encouraging to see that. You know, it's funny, isolated stories, and you probably hear a lot of these, about people who grew up in environments that would never go to a Celebrate Israel parade, who gave it a shot, who just visited, they were curious, and now they tell me they're going to be bringing their kids next year. And if people would only give it a chance and realize how wonderful it is to get together to Celebrate Israel, it could really be a life-changing experience, frankly. But, but not everybody's willing to do that, as you know. That's right, and it's very important that people also remember that it's not just the one shot a year, the one day of the year, as important as it is, but that we have to sustain the support. We see all the attacks and the growing attacks on campuses and communities, the manifestations of so many kinds in, in, against Israel, the reporting about what's going on. You know, Today is a very critical day because it's uh, Al-Naqsa Day, as opposed to um, the Nakba day, Nakba, both words essentially are to refer to devastation and destruction. One refers to the creation of the state, the other is the anniversary of the Six-Day War, which is this week, and they postponed it. It's a nitra to Friday, so that it would also coincide with Al-Quds Day, Jerusalem Day. And you see around the world, the Iranians are organizing these demonstrations. Al-Quds is really their creation, and the... the um, and manifestations, of course, in Gaza continue with these firebombs, and the, and the world doesn't condemn them, doesn't say anything about them. They destroyed thousands and thousands of acres uh, as of a day ago or so. It's like seven square miles, 4,300 acres, but many more since then. Forest fires, businesses destroyed, and uh, a very dangerous thing because you can't, you can't know where it's going to be launched from, and you have a, a. And people, this is answering some of the questions that people have asked. You can't, on a 75 or 70 kilometer border, much of which is unoccupied, so you have to 
have people everywhere. You can't tell where they're going to launch from. They're using drones. They're using other means now to try and identify it, and they've given warnings. There are people even saying they should be treated as just as, as snipers are because they, they wreck havoc and they cause a lot of damage. So people, you know, come away inspired from the parade, and those who watched it, those who heard about it, and couldn't make it for some reason, should make sure that they that we sustain this effort now. We really need it. We, we have real problems given some of the coverage. Um, I won't name the media right now, but everybody knows basically who, who, where it's coming from. And the, the likelihood that we'll see today an escalation of, um, of it as they synchronize Jerusalem Day, Al-Quds Day, Naqsa Day, the other terms that they uh, that they use to to describe the desire to er- to erase the history, just not just of fifty one years since the Six Day War, but of the seventy years it's since fun- Israel's creation. It's funny, and I'm glad you cleared this up for me, frankly, because I I, I didn't realize the whole thing with the uh, anniversaries. I just thought the last Friday of Ramadan that they you know step things up, so to speak, and uh, and protest more and uh, and rally more and demonstrate more. But I guess uh, that wouldn't make sense if Ramadan was at a different time of year, because as you said, the uh, on the secular calendar, the 51st anniversary of the uh, Six Day War and of the liberation of Jerusalem, they combined that into uh, one day and uh, are quote unquote observing it or protesting it. On this Friday. On the other issue, here's the frustration among the observers. And again, I don't know to what degree we observers, you know, have the right to be frustrated, frankly. But the frustration is you, you've described to us or, or you've emphatically stated to us that this whole uh, strategy, this entire um, act of uh, lighting these fire kites, sending them in and, and, uh, and uh, you know, and causing all this damage uh, had been done before. Uh, that this wasn't new. This was a duplication of uh, of, um, of the type of activity the enemy has has um, uh, embarked on before. With that in mind, I just assumed. I think many other people did. That's why this frustration that there's a strategy how to defeat it. In other words, what did Israel do last time, or what have others done when this type of strategy is used against them? And it looks like, or it seems as as if it's just helplessness, and there's no way to stop it. Oh, there'll be ways. They'll they'll devise ways that will counter it using satellite projections and others. And you know what? That some of those who are responsible will have to pay a price for it until till it it stops. The um, and the use of drones can be can be helpful. Uh, the problem is that, as I said, the the scope in the area. You no, know, it, it's very interesting that there are so many armchair generals <laughs> who sit here in the United States, me included, in particular, yeah. not not including you. And this is, I'm, t- <laughs> I'm Thank talking you. about the ones who, uh, and some who are well-meaning, and but but they will go public and they will talk about why doesn't Israel use. Uh, water cannons. Why doesn't Israel use uh, rubber bullets? Why doesn't Why doesn't Israel do? A, uh, and they they haven't got a clue about what's involved along the Gaza border. That Israel tried water cannons. Israel tried water uh, rubber bullets. They don't work given the proximity, given the distances that are involved there. The lack of water, by the way, in the desert. But the the nature of these things is not. One that where that would be uh, helpful, especially given the fact that the snipers are behind right. these people shooting, um, and and they don't care that the you know the human shields get killed. This woman who was killed was being used as a, you know the the one that everybody's protesting the nurse and mm-hmm. that she had her hands up, she had her hands down. The fact is that she was a human shield, 
and the the um, you know the fact that that sometimes even leaders, uh, political leaders or or Jewish leaders, fall into this trap of of sitting here and telling Israel why didn't you do how don't you do it? They think the IDF doesn't want as much as anybody to avoid civilian casualties to avoid having to to use lethal force. Look at the fact that the 62, uh, 52 raids that they carried off uh, and others, there's no collateral damage. There's no civilians being killed. How pinpoint, how amazing. And yet nobody says, wow, look what the Israeli army did to avoid civilian casualties. The Israeli Air Force able to bomb in what is always described as the most densely populated area, and yet you see the the vast open areas where they're demonstrating um, and yet, and, and nobody was, uh, no civilians, Hamas, nor the PA, nor anyone else claimed or killed in that. Yeah. By the way, I think there was a male medic also that the suspicion from Israel's side is that uh, he was being used as a human shield. Come and on. many of them are dressed in civilian clothes when they are, in fact, uh, terrorists. Today, at the demonstrations, they're supposed to be coming out in Gaza with the concentration camp right. mock uniforms, yeah. which I think is an obscenity. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, all right, uh, let me do a couple of these items here. First of all, the Argentinian soccer team. Uh, <laughs> do we know what went wrong here? I know they're blaming those who moved the game from Haifa to Jerusalem. That's just a convenient excuse. Uh, the BDS just basically won this one, right? Simple as that. Well, they put a lot of pressure on it. I think that it, it was more important that the game take place than where it take place in Israel. And so that's a decision that has to be discussed about when do you press for it, like the Eurovision discussion right now. Right. Um, that the if it's, whether it's held in Tel Aviv or Jerusalem, the important thing is that the billion who watch it around the world wish to see a program coming from Israel, a chance to highlight Israel, <coughs> rather than um, have a challenge. I don't believe you give in to the BDS. I don't believe that you succumb to these to the threats generally, but each case should be weighed and thought through um, carefully to see what the longer term manifestations will mean. And of course. As you said, the BDS people take advantage of what happened in Argentina, and that will encourage them to keep putting pressure, more and more pressure, uh, on them. So move, and and, and there are also distortions. There were statements that Messi, the key player, and all this who BDS had, had targeted, uh, put out some anti-Israel quotes, and they turn out to be fake. Right. Um, so not accusatory. Just asking. The, so if you you do feel that there might be a benefit to move Aerovision from Jerusalem to another city in Israel. And, and I believe it's something worth considering wow. and weighing uh, before making public pronouncements. Right, and you, don't, and you would not necessarily look at that as caving in to, the, uh, to those who are anti-Israel, those who are trying to keep it out of Israel. No, I don't believe that. I believe, they're not keeping it out of Israel. Right, they're understood, but they certainly don't want it in Jerusalem. Of, uh, right. Out of Jerusalem. Right. Uh, I, again, as you know, there's nobody who believes more strongly in pressing that issue. Right. But I think it's something that should be weighed and discussed. What are the, the uh, you know, you have to use game theory. You maximize the gains and you minimize the losses and see how it, it plays out. Right. Um, you mentioned earlier in this conversation about the, some of the things we need to be concerned about in this country. According to the ADL, 57% increase in anti-Semitic incidents. I'm assuming that's one year to the next. Um, why the spike? And by the way, is it some, somewhat distorted because often some uh, attacks or incidents get reported and others do not? It's still true, and it's still true that, and I believe still the vast majority of reports 
of, of incidents don't get reported, of course, if they're involving violence and, and right. more escalated incidents. What we call the extreme yet. cases, right? Right. But, but still, I believe most people don't report the day-to-day incidents. But we have some very serious incidents. We have stuff at Kingsborough College now. We have things at other campuses in New York, which are serious uh, matters of, of BDS. And, it, and no one should delude themselves that BDS is anti-Semitism. It's just a convenient cover for it. And the, the numbers increase. We see it in Europe. We see it uh, everywhere. Uh, it, it, there is better reporting, perhaps, and more attention paid to it. Still, uh, elected official, um, police and others are reluctant to declare anti-Semitic incidents because that often brings in the Civil Rights Division of, and the FBI or others because it becomes a hate crime. Uh, so people have to, we have to educate people to report. We have to educate them how to address this issue, especially children in schools and uh, elsewhere, and to take preventative measures and to say, we're not going to dismiss it. Zero tolerance. Right. No more. Farrakhan's statements this past weekend should have been condemned by everybody, including those Congress people who met with him. And when they fail to do so, we have to call them to account. Uh, by the way, I, I spoke over the weekend with a cybersecurity, not, not to alarm anybody, but I thought it was an interesting point, a cybersecurity expert who brought to my attention the fact that a lot of synagogue databases which include the name and address of every member of their synagogue, are not secure enough and are either available online or available to hackers online. It would be a bad idea if certain people got a list of every Jewish home in town, if you know what I mean. It's true, and they should have good firewalls. Yeah. It's it's not that expensive, and they might even have members who are capable of helping to, to well, install we, them. But first really we make them yeah, first got to make them aware of it. I'm sure they didn't even realize mm-hmm. it. Very important point. Never even thought of it before that conversation. It is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world and the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. So there was a uh, report about a, an assassination attempt on both the Prime Minister of Israel and the mayor of Jerusalem. Um, I guess a silly way to ask the question, how serious a threat was it? It's very serious, and they have broken the ring in, involved. I, I'm sure this is not the the first such uh, plot, but you know, a very serious one taken seriously by the um, by the Mossad and Shinbet, right. other groups uh, on an ongoing basis uh, monitor these things because, you know, today it's so easy. Everybody knows where the prime minister is. <laughs> they, they know what country he's in. The announcement of trips gives them the advantage of being able to, to go to Paris, to go to, to London or, or Berlin. And uh, we've seen in Berlin how strong the, the um, some of these movements have become, the anti-Israel manifestations, and the growth of these things. You have uh, large Muslim populations in, in many of these countries. You have certainly extremists of various kinds. And the, the support of, of Iran, just as they support Hamas and Hezbollah, but they also support uh, some of these other groups, as does uh, uh, the Palestinian Authority has, and, and uh, we, we've seen it with Hamas, we've seen it in other um, places, and the ties, uh, even of groups involved in BDS, and supposedly BDS, but really por- portrays their real interest, who, who get support from um, 
from related elements. Yeah, and 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 there are also international terror groups sponsored by certain states um, who represent states that wouldn't mind taking out the Prime Minister of Israel, we have to remember. So that's, that's right, and, and especially now. I mean, you, you look at Iran's uh, agenda, and the, first of all, that, that we see what the real agenda of the people in the north and in the south of Israel, that Hamas, Hezbollah, these guys are not interested in the rights of their people, that they put them and their lives at risk. Uh, right now, perhaps Hezbollah is pulling back a little bit, but no one should should be dissuaded from from uh, the assurance that the intent remains the same, and that Iran will use them when they feel it's it's appropriate. But we see the escalation uh, uh, of Iranian activity, and that the response is always uh, to to when they confront real strength, real determination, as the U.S. pullout from JCPOA has uh, turned increasingly turning out to be, with every day new announcements of companies that are pulling out. Boeing announced that they're going to shelve the, um, and, and not deliver the 90 planes. It was a $16 billion deal. Wow. <laughs> uh, uh, which got uh, very little coverage. Car imports in the last two months to Iran are down 77%. 77%, and that's, I think, an important indicator of where the economy is, that the, the, um, that the same time when they're announcing a new facility for centrifuges in Natanz and, and talking about increasing their enrichment and the Europeans who have been running and, and doing head salts and saying how they would guarantee for the European businesses, well, the European Investment Bank came out and said that they're not going to be able to overcome and they can't ignore the U.S. sanctions, and they rejected the economic plan <laughs> that the EU itself tried to put in um, uh, into into place. And we see the... the um, uh, while the Europeans, the three Europeans, uh, agreed that, that Syria, uh, that that uh, um, Iran should get out of Syria, and um, and all foreign forces, as they say, um, but th- they are at the same time trying to justify their decision and and will not admit that uh, that they are helpless. But the fact is that Peugeot itself, and certainly uh, iconic name in in Europe. Uh, it backed out of a $400 million deal in the manufacture of cars in in um, in Iran. The the, um, uh, the I can give you a list of a dozen companies, major international companies, Indian, Arab, uh, Chinese companies, others who do business with the United States, who have infrastructure in the United States, are all pulling out. They're all canceling their deals, and this is is spreading. Uh, across Europe, and Europeans admit now that they're helpless in the face of this. They're going to have to go along. They're going to have to find some way to come to terms with the the U.S. Uh, sanctions. So when they see strength, when they see this kind of determination, we see that they back off over and over again. And it's imperative that we keep the pressure on Iran right now. Their economy, the people is is teetering. The people inside the country, there's a huge drought. Major major areas now are not inhabitable. Rivers have dri- have dried up. They of course don't get the assistance that Israel could give them in desalination other areas. But they they are really facing crises, and they have no ability to to deal with it. And think if we hadn't gotten 150 billion, how, how much more this could have been escalated. Yeah, and the man we have to thank for all of this is the uh, the person with the greatest show of strength, and that's President Trump, frankly. 
I would I would guess these companies, just like the enemy, has uh, you know th- th- been very watchful about how he behaves and what his statements. Uh, uh, what he has to say, uh, so, so too with these companies to see. And, and Iran makes a public appeal for help from its friends against the bullying by President Trump. <laughs> Does that tell you how 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 uh, defensive they have become, and how impactful? And and we've only seen the beginning of this. But when the major refiners, when the shipping companies tell ships don't carry this thing because we're not going to be able to guarantee the results, uh, the insurance of of the of it, and and so many of them are just not doing it. Hit them in the pocketbook, and that's exactly what's going on. It's amazing. I didn't, I didn't even think of the insurance angle. How there's so many steps in the distribution of these products that, and and each one of those steps, you know, there are people who are afraid to to move forward. They may end up getting stiffed on the whole deal. And we have to be careful not to see not that Iran doesn't just strike out and try to create uh, uh, escalate the heat in different places. But with them under the pressure they are in Syria, coming from the Russians and everyone else, Russia calling what I think stunned the Iranians when they they said that they want them out and that they would not cooperate with any of the actions uh, with the Syrian army if Iran is a, or the militias are allowed to. To participate, and one of the places I think we have to watch, and I'm very worried about, is in Jordan, where the demonstrations continue against the king. This is the eighth day. Um, it's not so much against the king. They they focused on the prime minister uh, Moki, who is out, and Omar Razaz is the new prime minister. Uh, Jordan is the critical buffer between Iraq and Israel and Iran's aspirations, also ISIS. That the stability of Jordan can have. Massive security implications for Israel, and especially population being two thirds Palestinian, all the rest that people uh, people know. But the World Bank is demanding that they lift the subsidies that they pay for basic uh, items um, that the government provides, and that that's exactly what the people are demonstrating against lifting it. And because the economic conditions are bad, they're not their pay isn't increasing. Um, and they're also the World Bank is also saying that they're not going to give any of the loans or release any of the loans until they they um, make major reforms in the, in the budget and government spending. So I think these protests could be around there. They're trying to come up with some patchwork uh, solutions for now, but this is not going to address the fundamental weaknesses in in the Jordanian economy. And uh, you know the the Israel is very invested in. Israel and Jordan's stability, especially the security of the regime, the king. But by the way, I'm, and I'm and I'm sorry to go off topic for a second, but the uh, your your uh, daily email just showed up uh, on our screen, just popped up here. Israel's medical team lands in Guatemala. Uh, can we just take a minute to remind the world, especially all of us, that Israel again, like in all these natural disasters around the world, when asked or when. When their 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 offer for help is accepted, they're on the way, and sure enough, their medical team and ex. And did you see the scenes from Guatemala? My gosh, I mean, we've seen earthquake scenes, we've seen disasters like this. This was unique in how unbelievably hor- horrible it looked. And now Israel's there, of course, to help. It, you're absolutely right. It's, it is uh, the the scenes there are horrific, and you know they're now just in trying to recover bodies. I don't think that there's even search and rescue. Uh, right. Uh, before. So uh, what's important, again, people called me yesterday, certainly well-intentioned, and because there was a report that Israel had uh, promised $10,000, pledged $10,000 towards this. And um, 
And yet, this was just a pledge from the foreign ministry, from its meager budget, an assistance budget, that they were giving $10,000. But the government of Israel, and maybe it's their fault for not publicizing it early enough, and I called right away to to make sure that this is, uh, you know, not the case, um, that they are sending this massive assistance to the government of Guatemala. As you know, they moved their embassy, and President Morales and others took the courageous steps, and Israel is showing, again, its appreciation. But <laughs> they've had a, a steady record of doing this, and, you know, they get very little credit for being the out there and, and spending the money, people have to remember Israel's a small country. Uh, these are big expenditures for it. It's it's valid and it's important to do it. But the uh, you know again the criticism first and then very yeah. little praise after there. Yeah, of course they do this. Uh, they are there because uh, they want to help the victims of the uh, Fuega volcano. And again, if you see the uh, damage this volcano has done. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, any newscast or anywhere on the web, it is simply horrific. And Israel is there uh, to help out. Kol Hakavod. By the way, um, I noticed that in one of the stories earlier in the week that Iron Dome was in action again. Uh, what, are things quiet right now when it comes to rockets coming from Gaza or not? No, it's not the rockets right now. As I said, the major problem are the uh, the kites and the... Um, right, but Iron Dome was utilized a few days ago, right? Iron Dome was used this week right. against some uh, mortars and, and things that were fired against Israel. But that part is, is uh, more quiet, uh, though it can escalate at any time. So there's, it's, there's no guarantee what any of this, what it will mean. It's, it's, um, it, you know, it's very expensive when Israel has to I fire know, the, the, the Iron Dome. People say, well, why don't they just shoot it? Why don't they just shoot it? Because <laughs> they have to weigh it. And they, the computers determine if a, a, if a mortar or a rocket is going to land in an open field, then they will not fire it because it costs too much money to do it every time. And you have to make sure the rockets are there for the really critical ones that may hit civilian uh, populations or civilian areas. And, and do damage, as we saw when they, they hit that kindergarten just a few uh, hours or so before the children would have been there. Uh, by the way, uh, Ambassador Friedman uh, was pretty strong regarding the media coverage of what's happening in Gaza. I think he spoke more strongly than any U.S. ambassador, frankly, has in the past on a topic like this. Uh, did I Did I dream it or did I read it? that Israel actually invited um, a bunch of journalists, tens of journalists, to come to Gaza and up close and personal see what's happening. To, they invited people to be embedded and to, to watch and to see, but, it, it, you know, the facts here are pretty clear. Yeah. It, you know, this is not one of those cases where there are, you know, these are kind of clandestine areas and we don't know what's going on. Their big complaint, the big complaint to the media is that there are no Israeli casualties. They keep saying disproportionality. What's disproportionate? Some ministers, you know, showed the number of Brits that were killed and the number of Germans were killed in World War II. Do, you, do we have to raise the number of allies who were killed in order to justify the, the killing of the enemy, the people responsible? That because this, the particular topography and because Israel was able to stop them before they could reach a civilian village or, or a kibbutz on the border of Gaza, that that's that is the issue, and that's why it's to be criticized because not enough Jews were killed, and that is what is the frustrating a lot of the media, and they're they're reporting 
does not take into account, does not discuss the snipers. They hardly mention the fact that the, even Hamas says the vast majority were, were their operatives, which they admitted for other reasons, not, I think, anticipating how it was exact, actually exposing them uh, the, and the truth of what, of, of what was happening uh, to the world. By the way, I was incorrect based on the uh, on the, the email that you guys sent out this morning. It was, in fact, the same story. It was the female medic that you referenced uh, who uh, took great pride in being a human shield. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was not a, not a separate account of any male medic that I thought I'd read about. Also, the um, uh, there was an item on there was an item on. Iran. Oh, excuse me, an item on Syria. The uh, is it true? Is it possibly true that one of the former members of the now administration is right that he was ready, meaning the prime minister, to negotiate the Golan with Assad? Um, you know, the former people have a tendency, and 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 in this case, it's because uh, the files are released. You know, you, they they are kept secret for. Right. Uh, 50 years now, we're in the 51st year, so it doesn't, it, it, a lot of files of the internal discussions are, are being released from the Six-Day War, from other periods, and sometimes um, they take license because of that to discuss other issues. Uh, do I believe that it's possible that Prime Minister was willing to have some negotiations and exploratory negotiations? Yes. I don't think it ever came to, down to, to a, a formal deal. Right, and this and it was just funny. The same day that the report came out, how the prime minister wants to concentrate on on continuing to grow and build the uh, communities of the Golan, and in, in very significant ways, they're talking yeah. about a big increase over the next years uh, for um, uh, in in the in the Golan area, and the fact that they will never talk about any more about returning it, and just think for all of those again, the armchair politicians and generals <laughs> yeah. who kept saying Israel should withdraw, Israel should take advantage of the opportunity. Think of what would have happened if Syria were in the hands of, uh, of the Golan was in the hands of Syria today, or worse. And and, and what what Israel's um, internal and, and external security situations would have been in the north. Yeah, Malcolm, yesterday, Pastor Edmonds from down in uh, Tennessee joined us. His father... Uh, Roddy Edmonds, Staff Sergeant Roddy Edmonds, was uh, the leader of a POW camp in Germany from January of '48 until uh, January of '45 to liberation, and um, he was told by the Nazi commander, the major, to separate to uh, to uh, separate the Jewish prisoners from the others and have only the Jewish prisoners come out to the next roll call so that they could deal with the Jewish prisoners. At which point, he commanded the 1,300 POWs, all of them of all backgrounds. Uh, to be at that roll call, and the German officer says to him, approaches him and says, all these people can't be Jews. And he says to the German officer, we are all Jews here, at which point the German officer puts a gun to his head and tells him he has to separate it, and at which point he responds by saying, Major, you could shoot and kill all of us. Soon we're going to be liberated. This war will be over, and you'll be charged with war crimes. And the Major uh, cowered in fear as the... uh, as the uh, description goes, and uh, there was never a discussion of any of this again until Liberation. It's now a movie, and I mention it, first of all, to, to, to remind everybody in the context of our conversation of some of the amazing stories and her- heroes of Jewish history. Uh, um, Pastor Edmund's father was the um, only American GI till this point to be recognized 
as Righteous Among the Nations by Yad Vashem. And the movie, and I didn't want anyone to think otherwise, when we said that the movie premieres in New York on Friday, I think a lot of people reacted that we were promoting something that's Friday night. It's actually 12.20 today. At 12.20 p.m. today, Footsteps of My Father premieres at 323 Sixth Avenue in New York. So don't think, folks, that this was a promotion of anything happening tonight. It's happening today at 12.20 p.m., Pretty amazing story, and uh, and and you know Malcolm because because we, we know history and we know something about Nazi atrocities. They certainly could have gunned down every one of those POWs at that point. A hundred percent, and they did in many instances uh, do so. But this was a tremendous act of resistance. There have been others, but here you have the documented account. And I hope that everybody in the age when we see too much indifference to anti-Semitism yep. and, and the rising tensions, that people be inspired by it, both from within our community to stand up and speak out and those who are friends and, uh, and who understand that, that if you don't take a moral stand, everybody becomes the victim of it. No question about it. And what an example that is. And, and um, as one of the GIs, because they found four of the GIs still alive that are in the documentary, four Jewish ones who were standing right next to him when he was speaking to the Nazi major, uh, as they said, he didn't just save 200 Jews, he saved generations and generations and generations. And that's another thing to keep in mind as well. One act, hey, it's it's Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach, Malcolm. One act can have a, a reverberating effect for many generations. And, the most, and one of the most important messages is where the people came back, the ten, and said that they, we were like grasshoppers in their eyes, the yeah. Hagavim. And, and it doesn't say that the giants said it. It's they said it, and they're ascribing it to, the, to, to their, their perception, which means that that was the perception of themselves. And, and, and so the first step is how we see ourselves, that if we see ourselves as weak and incapable and cowering, then that's how they will, we will be seen and how we will be treated. And when you stand up, as we saw regarding Iran now and in other ways, that if you, if you have the courage, if you have the understanding and that, that we have a mandate from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we have, we have uh, a commitment, and especially when it comes to the land, and see some of those who so glibly are willing to engage in public manifestations against Israel or regarding some of the issues. You can have differences of opinion, but the the um, the price can be very heavy. So people should be very careful with their words and with their deeds and act not like not like grasshoppers, but the giants could have been taken on and dealt with. And the fact that Yeshua, Joshua, and Caleb saw it and recognized it, they all saw the same thing, but it was separated by one word, but. And if we keep focusing on the butts, why we can't do it, why it can't be done, it can be done. You saw that the embassy is in Jerusalem. There are no more demonstrations. You see that the, uh, the standing up to Iran and all the predictions that JCPOA, we will have, a, you know, a whole world will erupt. And we have volcanoes, but it's not related to the JCPOA. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, brilliant uh, presentation regarding uh, uh, this week's Parsha. Much appreciated. Thank you so much for your time. We reconvene Bezrat Hashem next week. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Be well. There he is, Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos here at JM the AM with uh, candle lighting at 8.05. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz Wednesday. And Thursday, ladies and gentlemen, you know what we always say, especially now during the month of June, during our spring fundraiser, 
Uh, the official fundraiser, which took place, is over, but it's still an opportunity for you, if you haven't given yet, to support us and encourage us to keep on going. Encourage us to be here every day and every week with programs like this, with interviews like the pastor who was with us in that very inspiring interview yesterday with conversations on a regular basis with Malcolm Honeline. Please give and support us, fjbunity.org. Again, FJB for Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org. I request that you give now so we can announce your donation uh, before the end of this program, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And I thank you very much very much. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Shlach. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Shlach contains three mitzvos, two positive and one restriction. The two positive are the mitzvah of challah, please God, which we'll talk about, as well as tzitzis, which contains both a positive to wear tzitzis and the negative, the restriction of losasuru, achari levavachem, vachari to keep yourself focused and not to stray from off the path of Hashem. Now, there's no question about it. Parsha Shlach is one of those parshios that doesn't get easier from year to year. The obvious question is, how can it happen? After all, the Torah is not a, quote, storybook. So first of all, you have to ask yourself, why is this part of our Constitution? But second of all, once the Torah is sharing this narrative with us, how do you explain it? This is the people who were slaves in Egypt. They knew they were slaves, and now they're free. But they didn't just become free. They had an incredible education through the ten plagues, which only affected the Egyptians, and not then. And then, seven days later, after they leave Egypt... There's the miraculous splitting of the Red Sea. On the way to Sinai to receive the Torah, they're attacked by Amalek. They didn't have an army, and they defeat Amalek. They come to Sinai, and they experience revelation of the highest order. Namely, they know that God is speaking to each of them. And the way the rabbis understand it, each person understood the Ten Commandments differently, each in accordance with their intellectual ability. They knew that they heard the first two of the Ten Commandments straight from Hashem. Ironically, what's the second commandment after the first, that there is a God and the belief in Hashem, not to believe in any other God? And what do they do? Forty days later, they make an Egel. Okay? Not okay. And now, oh my goodness, look what's happening. They come to Moshe, and they say, 
let us send spies, and we know the rest. Ten come back and say, we can't do it. Ki mimenu, the people in Canaan are even stronger than, I can't even say the words, it's going to hurt your ears, stronger than God himself. And it's only Yoshua and Kolev that say, no, we can, etc. And ultimately, we know, come on, that, Yom Lashana, Yom Lashana, for every day that the spies were away, and we have to be so grateful that the spies had this Kfitzas Haderach, that they were only away for 40 days, punished the rest of the Jewish people 40 years. Interestingly, and by the way, the women were not included in this punishment, and even the Kleyoka goes so far as to say that Moshe made a mistake had he sent women. This never would have happened. They have a stronger faith and, and a tie and support to the land of Israel. Okay, it's not okay. How do you explain it? We'll try to offer some explanation in a few moments. But right after the Cheto Egel, so amazing. You'll take a look right before Hamishi, the beginning of chapter 15. You have the command regarding Nisachim which means Hashem says, you are coming to Eretz Yisrael. And when you come into Eretz Yisrael, you're not only going to have your basic necessities, you're even going to have luxury. I'm telling you there's a command accompanying your korbanos, accompanying the offerings, there is to be a libation, a pouring of wine. Wow. Okay, now comes the first of the mitzvos in Parsha Shlach, Shishi. And what do you have? The mitzvah of challah. Now let's first understand what challah is. Not to be confused with that which we, please God, will eat tonight and tomorrow and is sold in the Jewish bakeries and many Jewish women have the privilege of making it at home. Yes, the special bread that we eat on Shabbos and Yom Tovim called challah. The origin, as you see in the Torah, challah is literally... The portion that the one who bakes bread, which grew the wheat, the five grains from which bread is made, wheat, barley, rye, oats, uh, rye, oats, and spilt, the bread that's made from that uh, wheat, from that grain, any one of those five grains, if there's a minimum of approximately five pounds, then there's a an obligation to take off a part, a truma, uplifting, a gift, which is literally to God, given to the Cohen family. There's an obligation for challah, even for less than five pounds, but less than five pounds, we do not recite a bracha. So basically, what is challah? That when you bake your bread, you are to take off a piece and give it to God via the Kohanim. What's going on here? Rashi on the spot in verse 18, chapter 15, verse 18, the Torah says, Tabero b'nei Yisrael Hashem says to Moshe, and say to them, Bivoachem el oritz, when you come to the land. And then comes the mitzvah of challah. Now watch. Rashi says, in the name of the rabbis, 
a very important principle, and that is as follows. Mishuna biyazu miko bios shebetora. This law, which is couched in when you come to the land, is different from many, many other agricultural laws, which also are dependent on your coming to the land. Let's take, for example, the mitzvah of Bikurim, of the first fruits of those uh, seven species which grow in the land of Israel. They are to be brought to the Beis Hamikdash. There is a recitation that accompanies it, thanking Hashem for the produce. If you take a peek at the beginning of Parshas Kisavo, towards the end of Devarim, the Pasuk begins, So I might think that this law of first fruits goes into it. No, it doesn't go into effect immediately. It doesn't go into effect until after, as Rashi says, Kivshu until after seven years of conquering the land, seven years of dividing the land, first in year 15. And so too, the laws of uh, Truma, the, the laws of Maaser, the laws of uh, Shemitah, the laws of Yovel first go into effect in year 15. The only exception is Truma. As soon as you, excuse me, Chala. As soon as you come into the land, the mitzvah of Chala, that which is given from the bread that you bake, that is applicable immediately. Why? Comes along the Tolna Rebbe, Shlita, in his Sefer, called Hema Yenachamuni, and gives what I believe is a very insightful, meaningful answer to this question. He says, let's take a look. The Jewish people were coming from an environment that was in total, lamala min hateva. In total, it was supernatural. As the Torah says, simloscha lobolscha meolecha. The clothing that you had, not only did it not wear out, it grew with you. You didn't have to worry about getting larger shoes, sandals for your children. The, group, the shoes and sandals grew with them. The Ananeha Kavod, the clouds of glory, actually ironed the clothing for them at night. So they had crisp, fresh garments to wear in the morning. This was literally a five-star hotel that you put it out your door at nighttime, and you got it back first thing in the morning. The bread came down from heaven. Their water accompanied them in the air of Miriam. So these millions of persons were spoiled in the desert, whereby they saw the hand of God in their every facet of life. And now we're coming into the land of Israel. And now you're going to have to plant. And now you're going to have to harvest. And now you're going to have to. In fact, the Talmud tells us there are no less than 10 different activities that you have to do from beginning to end until you finally get your uh, dough, until you're ready to put it into the oven. 
Parenthetically, that's the reason for the custom that some have of holding on to the challah tonight with two hands, either on top of the cover, on the challah itself, you know, as you make the bracha of Hamutzi Lecha Mina Oretz, reminding us of these ten steps that were necessary, or ten activities, till we got to the actual challah, what we call challah. Now watch. What's going to happen? Meaning that while in the desert it was clear it all came from Him, Hashem, capital H. Now, all of a sudden, wait a minute, I am planting, I am winnowing, I am harvesting, I, I, I. And so farmer I could very well, after a while, fall into the trap of kochi v'otsem yodi, Hey, I'm the success. I'm I'm the successful farmer. In order to negate this terrible kind of quote ownership over the bread of the land, the Torah says, and it shall be, right? El The word Vahoya doesn't appear. I just threw it in. Say to them, says Hashem to Moshe, when you come to the land immediately, then, as soon as you eat from the bread of the land, you are to literally lift up a portion to God. Meaning, you are to remind yourself that this didn't come about just because I am a good farmer and I know how to irrigate and I know and I know. No, this is coming about. So that which they saw clearly in the mun, now they're seeing it clearly by taking and designating challah and by sending it to Mr. Cohen down the block. They are doing two things. They're recognizing there's God in the in the bread that I'm making, just as there was God in the bread that I ate in the desert called Mun, I saw God there and I see God here now. And secondly, once I separate the challah from this dough, I am infusing the dough with additional sanctity. And so, really what's happening is as the Talmud tells us so beautifully in Shabbos 31a at the bottom, the Pasuk in Yeshaya, 30, Isaiah 33, Pasuk 6, whereby the rabbis are able to find in the verse, the six adjectives found in the verse, refers, say, our rabbis to the six orders of Mishnayis. And the first one is Emunas, which they say is Royim, agriculture. And interesting, Rashi and Tosvos give a different reason. Rashi says, because it is so called, because we need to trust the farmer in terms of his honesty in giving the trumos and the maestros. And Tosfo says, no, it's called emunas, trust agriculture, because the farmer sows his uh, seeds, places his trust and his faith in Hashem. 
that he knows Hashem is going to provide all that is necessary for his crops to grow. And so, how could the Meraglim do this? Many Hasidish Rabbeim say the Meraglim didn't want, the spies didn't want to leave the cocoon. They didn't want to leave the environment of spirituality. And so they made up this kind of a billable, we can't do it, it's too much for us, because they didn't want a world of the everyday. They wanted to stay where they were. And the Torah is teaching us a very powerful lesson. The role of the Jew, as the Kutzka Rebbe says, is Anshe Kodesh Tiyunli. You are to be Anshe. You are to be people of holiness. First and foremost, in this real world. And we ought to be Makadesh, the world. We ought to uplift the world. We ought to infuse the world with sanctity, with Kedusha. And this, my friends, is the significance of the mitzvah of Chalot. May our wives, mothers, be privileged to continue in this mitzvah, honoring us, uplifting us and all our families in good health for many years to come. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. the M. Friday morning on the Zerv Shabbos Parsha Shlach. Candle lighting in New York, 8.05. We venture Shodesh Tammuz Wednesday and Thursday. Come back. Hey, it's Parsha Shlach. Come back. That's the uh, Moshav Bend here at J.M. the M. I want to thank uh, Mr. and Mrs. Albert Hagler in Deerfield Beach. Um, I believe that's uh, Helen and Bumi Hagler, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Certainly is. Uh, they've donated in honor of their... Um, let me get this straight. Great-grandson, right? Great-grandson. Hope I have that correct. The young upcoming cousin, Master Moshe Blumenthal of Cedarhurst, New York. So thank you to the Haglers for that, and good luck to Moshe from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, I want to thank everybody who's been donating. Um, don't go, don't forget. You can go to fjbunity.org, FJB for foundation for Jewish broadcasting, fjbunity.org and participate in our spring fundraiser. And I thank everybody who has, um, I want to thank, uh, Daniel and Rifka Schmidt, uh, Schimmel, um, who just donated now at fjbunity.org. Much appreciated. And thanks to everybody who's done so today and this week. Thanks everybody who's sending back, uh, Envelopes with generous donations, all of it very, very much appreciated. By the way, I got the NCSY auction booklet last night. A lot of good things. A lot of good things. Uh, it's a New York NCSY uh, auction. You go to newyork.ncsy.org. You spell out New York, newyork.ncsy.org, newyork.ncsy.org. You're going to draw everything on the 25th of June. Uh, they have um, beautiful jewelry, a Disney package, a Mexico vacation, a freezer full of meat. Thank you to our friends at Glotmart. Uh, they have a trip to Kalahari Resorts. They have a Jewish DJ package, the iPhone 10, NCSY summer programs, men's packages with great suits, sports packages, a kitchen package, a lot of great things, a lot of great things. Uh, so check it out. Go online and support NCSY. In their 2018 auction, um, spend generously. The auction is in memory of the great Lisa Zucker, beloved wife of our dear friend Ryan Meijer Zucker. Uh, again, it's newyork.ncsy.org. New York, spell it out, newyork.ncsy.org, newyork.ncsy.org. Quarter before the hour, it's JM and the AM coming up. Naomi Nachman and the... Um, Naomi Nachman and the uh, Table for Two program. Kedem presents the Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek coming up. And, of course, Kedem presents our Erev Shabbos music mix all through the day. Well, I mentioned yesterday that um, our good friend Dr. Rosenshine and his family have quite a problem, quote-unquote, this Shabbos. Mazel tov to Yehuda Rosenshine. Bar Mitzvah boy, uh, son of Shmuel uh, Aaron and uh, Shmuel Aaron and uh, Chavi Rosenstein, and Mazel Tov to Chassan Naftali Rosenstein, who's marrying Tamar Neiman. Tamar Neiman, Tamar Neiman from Muncie. Uh, Naftali Zofrof is this Shabbos, so they uh, they thank God have the problem of the multiple smachot the same Shabbos. So to the um, to the um, Rosenstein Mishpacha, we say Mazel Tov and Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. By the way, um, Mark Zamek 
on the Israel show today, on the Israel show, Mark Zamek on the Erev Shabbos show today is going to play an excerpt from his Bar Mitzvah speech. Yep. He's going to play an excerpt from his Parsha Shlach Bar Mitzvah speech during the Erev Shabbos show. That starts at 10 o'clock. Naomi Nachman has a Malki and Leiby Fisher of Heritage Kosher and Ahuva uh, Gott- Gottdeller of Homegrown Kosher. They're both going to be guests of Naomi today between 9 and 10 on table for two. And then the full day, as we said, tomorrow night, Avrami hosts Saturday Night Siegel. Rabbi uh, Eliezer Zwickler tosses in a beautiful Dvar Torah each week. That happens on Saturday Night Siegel on Saturday nights. And Sunday, of course, 7 a.m., it's Matis with J.M. Sunday. Sunday, 7 a.m., it's Matis with J.M. Sunday. And um, that happens on Sunday between 7 and 9 a.m. Make sure you're tuned in, and we're back here, of course, on Monday morning. Plenty more coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM.
שבת נקבלה, לאחד עודי לקראת כלה, בני שבת נקבלה.
Mendy Werniger with Bowie Mishalom. You heard the Chadodi and Come Back done by the Moshav Band. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Well, the three big questions, of course. You know the three big questions right now before we wrap up the show. Is the great Dove Levine listening? Is the great Avi Feinberg listening? And, of course, is the great Avrami Weisberger listening? As we say, it's time to say good Shabbos at JM in the AM.
brothers and sisters in Israel. We are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world and web at NachumSingle.com and the Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. By the way, I got to give a special shout out to some of our listeners who are uh, who have roots in the Washington, D.C., Silver Spring, Baltimore area and who are very happy with the results of last night's hockey game. So listener Danny, listener Jeremy, um, I'm trying to think. I think there was a third that I have to acknowledge. Who would, who would be the third Capitals fan that I know? Anyway, congratulations, Mazal Tov, to you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget, you can give generously fjbunity.org to keep us going. fjbunity.org. Give generously. Uh, Monday morning, I am back. An amazing weekend coming up. And, of course, Naomi Nachman next with Table for Two. Mark Zamek and the Erev Shabbat Show presented by Kedem. Full day of great music presented by Kedem. Saturday night, Seagull tomorrow night with Avrami. And, of course, Matis Sunday morning starting at 7 a.m. live at NachumSiegel.com with JM Sunday. Have a fabulous Shabbos and great weekend. Till Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.